Xbox had a really rough week and it just got a little bit worse. Happy Friday, friends. It is Friday. We are walking right on into the middle of February. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. It is that time of the week where we dive into the details of all the Xbox, Microsoft, Windows, and news and beyond. And uh, well, it was a busy week, so let's just dive in, my friends. Strap in because Xbox had a rough week. So if you're not aware by now, uh, Xbox had a pretty rough week, week because, well, there were leaks coming out that like Starfield, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, all their big title games were headed over to PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and the exclusivity was kind of falling apart. So much so that Phil Spencer put out a statement that says, look, we have a business update for Xbox uh, and they're going to do it next week. Now, it was originally, I believe, scheduled for late February or something like that. They were trying to put this together. My suspicion here is that, that information leaked out internally because they were trying to put together the media event and bada bing, bada boom. All of a sudden, we have leaks coming from all over the place that Starfield's going to PlayStation, Hi-Fi Rush is going to Switch, Sea of Thieves is going to PlayStation, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, Xbox was taking a serious beating and people were saying, I'm going to burn my console or get, never play Xbox again, which is a dramatic overreaction and it's like, you know, you really need to get it together. Anyways, we will wait and see uh, what Xbox has planned here for uh, for next week. But hopefully they kind of come out with a clean and simple to understand narrative that is going to be pivotal for the conversation that is going forward. Now, that wasn't really like that was kind of a known. But then things went from bad, which was this where they were getting beat up in the media to worse because the FTC came out and said, hey, uh, you're cutting 1,900 jobs, and we believe that contradicts everything you had said leading up through the whole Activision acquisition. Now, and FTC is continuing to fight this out in courts. Like, they're far from done, and they're throwing this onto the pile and saying, like, look, like, this is, again, bad for the industry. 1,900 people lost their jobs, and uh, Microsoft is now going to have to deal with this legal filing, so much so that they actually came out and said, okay, uh, these cuts were actually planned prior to Microsoft taking over the company. Now, clearly Activision has this written down somewhere that this was going to happen. You got to remember too, and, and I'm not trying to defend Xbox here, but Activision was getting beaten up as well when Microsoft kind of swooped in and said, we'll buy you. Remember, like they weren't exactly having the greatest time of their lives either. And so Microsoft's argument is like, look, these cuts were going to happen either way. The fact that we bought them didn't change that fact. The question really becomes like, was it 1,900 people? Remember, Activision has 22,000, or at least did have 22,000 people uh, prior to Microsoft uh, pulling them into the greater org. Because of these layoffs, by the way, uh, Toys for Bob physical office will close, and Microsoft is making a bunch of other layoffs uh, across the board. So, yeah, kind of just a rough week for Microsoft, like getting beat up because of the exclusive stuff, which is their own self-fault, if you will. And then the FTC side coming and saying, like, look, there's legal ramifications, we think, keyword being we think, from things that you are particularly doing. Now, next week, as I've noted, Microsoft is going to be having that Xbox event. There's a couple like key questions that Microsoft has to nail. They have to be able to answer this with clarity and not waffling. First off, they have to be able to come out and say, what is the future of exclusives on Xbox? They need a simple sentence that defines the future of the Xbox exclusivities on the platform. If they come out and say, well, it's a title by title scenario, that is going to be a disaster for Microsoft because now every time a game launches, every time a game is announced, everyone's going to be asking, is this exclusive? Microsoft may not even care, but be, at the end of the day, the gamers do. And so, which means Microsoft has to care. So they have to very 
clearly articulate what is the exclusives agreement going forward and understanding with the community with Xbox games. That has to be detailed out. The second thing is, what about hardware? Right? Because, hey, like if all the Xbox games are eventually going to land on PlayStation, is Microsoft, is this like a soft way for them to eventually exit the hardware business? So Microsoft to be, has to be very clear cut about what the Xbox hardware division is going to be doing going forward. Now, we already know uh, that there's going to be hardware, I believe, potentially in 2020. Like the numbers, the dates are kind of waffling around, right? There's the Brooklyn console and whatever the Xbox Series S refresh potentially happening this year. And then there's rumors that 2026 or 2028, we don't quite know there's going to be a refresh. And there's also this handheld refresh rumor that's floating around. And so Microsoft really just needs to come out and clarify its hardware position and, and really like lock down the the narrative with the end user because right now their trust is up in the air and that really leads into the third point is how is xbox going to come out next week and like earn that trust like and make us believe what they're saying is actually going to be the thing that happens for the long term microsoft has long had communication issues and so it'll be critical next week that what Xbox says is what they actually do. And, and they have to, if they falter from that plan, it will do significant harm to the Xbox brand long-term. So, you know, those are the things that I'm going to be watching for as we begin to understand what Xbox is trying to do here. And so at a foundational level, I understand what they are doing and I understand why they are doing it. They just spent a whole bunch of money the past few years snatching up studios. And now management is saying like, look, we have to turn the tide on Xbox and really show some significant and explosive growth for spending that kind of money. And so Xbox is now under a lot of pressure to grow, like a lot of pressure. And the easiest way to do that is to broaden the reach of the horizon of the games. Phil Spencer has been alluding to this, like bringing games to where gamers are at. But at the same time, they don't want to they don't want to upset that core foundation of Xbox brand loyalists, because on the other side, Microsoft as an overall company doesn't have a great connection to the consumer. You might argue Surface, but Surface has really pulled back and with like things like their phones being canceled and no longer be happening. Xbox is kind of it. Windows plays in there a little bit, but Xbox is that pure consumer brand. And so Microsoft can't avoid to drop the ball here or else there's going to be just bigger issues and Microsoft's going to become just an enterprise company. And not that that's bad for their bottom line. Don't get me wrong. They make a lot of money on that side, but they really want to stay connected to the consumer because that has like long-tailed uh, ramifications. If you lose consumer trust, it will eventually flow upstream into the corporate environment. So there you go. Next week will be super interesting. Uh, on the Windows side, or I should say the non-Xbox side here, the Windows side, which is you know something I love very much, uh, Apple dropped a whole bunch of new apps. I, I shouldn't say new apps, but they've really updated all of their iCloud-based apps uh, for Windows, and they 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 you know they used WinUI three. So hats off to them. They built some new stuff, and uh, you can definitely go do that if that is your thing. Uh, also, somebody apparently asked Microsoft to make Copilot bigger. I, I, I don't think anybody did, but Microsoft was like, we need to make this bigger. So it takes up more real estate. And so now when you open Copilot, you have the option or might, I don't even know if it's by default. It'll now take up more of your screen. So you can, I, uh, I don't know, have better conversations. I suspect that part of the reason they made them bigger is you could already see in the 
very classic Microsoft fashion here on the screen. If you're, if you're on the audio, you can't see it, but just know that there's a ton of text and there's a ton of buttons. They, they lost the simplicity of what ChatGPT really is. Like if you go to OpenAI and open up their thing, it's, it's just a, a chat prompt, like just ask anything. Here's Microsoft saying like, nope, you're going to have three different options on tone. You're going to have a three different options on creative. Like there's just so much going on that I feel like they probably had to make it bigger so that things didn't look crammed and that all the text didn't get wrapped around and it just looked like a blob of badness. So I suspect that might be the reason why they made it bigger. But anyways, uh, the new metric is uh, co-pilots per inch instead of dots per inch. So how many co-pilots can they fit in a single inch of the screen? And they continue to take up more and more and more at the end of the day. Speaking of co-pilot, if you're watching the, the Super Bowl this weekend, you're going to see a co-pilot commercial. This is a bit of a change for Microsoft. Previous years, they had really gone for these like heartstring pulling at them sort of commercials. This year, like, nope, we're going co-pilot, bro. And uh, that's really... That's their, that's their big push. I, I, I laugh because it's such a, like the previous years were like really building up. What, what is Microsoft this year? Like we're pushing brand, we're pushing product. We need to get this thing out there. And speaking of Windows, uh, looks like Windows 11 Moment 5 is going to arrive on February 27th. If you were thinking there's some great new features, there kind of are, but only if you're in the EU. This is to bring things up to compliance for the DMA, the Digital Marketplace or Digital Markets Act in Europe. It'll help bring Windows into compliance with that. And so you'll have more options about how Windows sort of controls your stuff. So there you go. But the bigger update you should really be paying attention to here is what is happening in June. Now, Qualcomm put out a statement recently that says we're tracking uh, to the launch of products with this chipset and with the next version of Windows that has a lot of Windows AI capabilities. We're still maintaining the same date, which is driven by Windows, which is mid-2024, getting ready for back to school. Now, if you're not familiar with that, which you probably are if you are listening to this podcast on the, on the reg, you know that that means that there's an update that we're all expecting in June of 2024. I think it's Germanium, I think is how you pronounce that, but it's going to bring some new ARM functionality and these new AI experiences. It sounds like it's going to be called Windows 11, and so Microsoft is going to, I, I wish they would call it like Windows 11, 11.5 or something like that. That would be optimal uh, or 11.1 or something. I don't, we don't quite know what they're going to do, but it is looking like it's going to be called Windows 11 at the end of the day. And they will deal with, you know, that branding challenge of Windows 11 now with AI, I guess, even though it kind of is already there. So, boom, on to the questions of the week, my friends. Always my favorite part. Always the favorite part. Cindy2K says, uh, part of, he said, I listened to First Drink Gilly, which is another podcast I do every single day. Is that part of that discussion revolved around third-party manufacturers putting out their Xbox machines? There are rumors swirling around that one of the SKUs for the next band, next Xbox console will be a low-cost hybrid dockable handheld device being made by the Surface team. What form do you think the third-party Xbox might look like? So I, people are going to say, Brad, you are an Xbox handheld downer. I, I, I kind of am um <laughs> because i don't think it makes a lot of sense i i, I don't let me let me refer let me kind of circle this conversation back so one of the options that microsoft could take with the xbox console is to stop manufacturing it first party and let their third parties do it and you're like, brad that sounds sacrilegious well it's really no di like imagine if dell asus and hp all had an xbox and they built their own xboxes right at the end of the day the xbox isn't 
all that different than a high-end PC. It's the same. We're now in x86 architecture, although there are rumors that it's going ARM. But either way, it's an interesting thought that like, hey, Dell, X, you guys go build the Xbox. We'll build the software, which is what we're good at. Because at the end of the day, uh, Xbox OS, I believe, is just a hypervisor. And then it's just got a really great connected service called Xbox Live. And, and couldn't you just put that on anything these days? Just lock the hardware requirements and then just let these guys build it. That is one way that Microsoft could stop building Xbox consoles first party without abandoning the hardware conversation. And that would allow them to actually potentially move into that handheld space something that a question that i struggle with when everyone says they xbox should build a handheld like the switch okay fine let's say that they do that how is it any different than the asus the rog uh ally or any of those other handheld devices that are already available i don't understand what would be so much better that would justify microsoft to put it, it to leverage its device building capabilities to build something like this because I don't think that they're going to do handhelds better than their partners are right now. At the end of the day, the ROG Ally is a fantastic device. Can Xbox do better than that for a price point so much lower that it makes sense to take that risk? I don't know. And then there's the whole, hey, everybody has a phone already? Because here's the natural conversation. It's like, man, this thing would be great if it had a cellular connectivity. And then it's like right back to the, okay, you guys are just building a phone. And so uh, there's already billions of phones out there. You already have Xbox apps on all of them. And so we'll see. I'm not saying they're not doing it, but to me... The, the justification is much less intense than, say, the physical device. Uh, the, the other thing, too, is go look at the attachment rate for some of the stuff that Sony does, right? They have, like, the PS Vita, and they have this stuff, and the attachment rate really isn't great. So we'll see. Uh, we will see uh, what they kind of do here. But, you know, what do I think? I think Xbox should continue to build the under the TV entertainment device that we all know and love at the end of the day. I almost said the Xbox One experience. Uh, but, the, you know, the thing that sits under the TV that is very brain-dead simple to use, it just does one function and it does it really well, and that's all that I really kind of want. And I will continue to yell at the clouds as the old man that I am. All right, John Wick says, Hey, Brad, do you think Microsoft will get rid of consoles? I'm wondering if I should keep buying stuff on Xbox like games and movies, and then one day Microsoft's like, well, we ain't selling any more consoles and we should just stop making them. Uh, so I, I, Xbox to me is the most secure brand, I think, when it comes to buying stuff in the Microsoft ecosystem. It's a very real concern. So one of the things is like, everybody's in this like, I hate subscriptions. I hate that stuff because if, if I stop paying, I don't own the game or app. A, a fair and valid critique. Here's another one for you. If the Steam activation servers go down and get nuked and fall off the face of the earth, your games also are completely gone, despite the fact that you own them, if you will. Same with Xbox, same with PlayStation. So the concept of owning software anymore is already dead. Just people don't acknowledge it because like, it's like I spent $70 buying Modern Warfare 3 on Steam. I own this game. It's like, no, you don't. You really, okay, stop, stop downloading updates for it and then see if you can play your game. Try doing it fully offline for a year. See if that really works. See if Call of Duty's online services go down. Does your game work? And so to John's, you know, to answer John's question, we're all at risk of this. Of all the companies I think out there, if Microsoft were to exit this, I think they would at least find an off-road strategy. And the most realistic way I can explain this and, and sort of maybe soften the concerns a bit, Xbox is now so big that it won't collapse. It's the third largest entity inside of Microsoft. If anything, what would happen is it probably actually spin it out into its own thing. Now that it has Activision under the umbrella, it's now in at least position where it would be super 
possible for that to happen. I'm not saying that Microsoft would do this. That would be really ugly sort of internally and sort of kind of jeopardize the whole narrative of buying these big things. It's like, hey, Satya, you spent $70 billion to just not do anything with it. Doesn't really sit all that well. Rafiq says, hi, Brad. Microsoft has tough decisions to make, either going full third party and release all their games on other platforms, which could reduce the Game Pass growth on console, uh, because these other other platforms take a 30% cut, but it'll realize 70%, or they keep the status quo and release some games on other platforms from time to time. What do you think is the most efficient way to grow revenue and profits the most? I, If I were Phil Spencer, what I would come out and say is, look, here is our plan. Every game that Xbox Studios makes, top to bottom, does not matter going forward, will be multi-plat. If you buy it on Xbox, you will get it at minimum six months ahead of the at the other platform. So you always have six months of exclusivity for every title that is launched. Game Pass, only on Xbox, and then that's it. And that's going to be a bit of a shocking narrative at the end of the day for, for Xbox loyalists. But I think that is the narrative that Microsoft needs to run. It's see, it's it's simple, it's clean, it's easy to understand. You get six months of exclusivity every single time, so you can play that game ahead of release on other platforms. And that's just kind of the way it's got to be. Or maybe a year. I think a year would probably make gamers a lot happier at the end of the day. But it, it needs to be something definitive in the sand, in a line, that makes sense for both companies. Because at the end of the day, guys, you have to remember, Xbox is here to make more money, not to appease you. They make more money by appeasing you. But at the end of the day, they're there to make more money and reach more gamers. And Microsoft has data that we don't, such as they know their growth rate of new gamers coming into this into the xbox org and they might be like look it's static it just is what it is and we can't break out of our shell unless we really try to upset the market and there you go and mr pki dropping two questions to end the week he says i was wondering if you're still using edge over chrome and how do you see the performance and memory bloat compared to the latest builds um, so yes i still do edge i've tried to switch to chrome there is one feature in edge that uh, actually there's two features in edge but they're both the same um so Edge allows you to alt tab to different uh, to different open tabs. Like I use that all day long to be able to alt tab to different open tabs. I think it's your five most recent. Now this is a bit of a self plug, but Start Eleven also allows you to search your open tabs. So Chrome does not currently, at least to my knowledge, does not allow you to do that alt tabbing. And because it's not indexed like that, then Start Eleven can't pull Chrome tabs in. And because of that, I'm still stuck on it. I haven't looked too much at the performance. If Chrome had that, I would probably switch uh, in a second, uh, I think is the thing. And then he says, I know you like, so Mr. PKI, are you, do you have a camera in my house? Because he says, I know you loved Vampire Survivors on Game Pass. I was actually playing it just this past week. Uh, the inlaid, I think it's inlaid library. I'm trying to complete the, the final boss battle with all the characters on that level. And so he says, have you tried the latest edition, Brotato? I have not yet, but I am, I looked at it uh, a couple days ago. I'm like, man, this is the type of game I probably would like. So I am going to give Brotato a spin of the spud, if you will, uh, because it's very similar to Vampire Survivors. And so, you know, it's a new challenge, a new game type, and we'll see. I also am really enjoying the latest, uh, we're season two of Call of Duty of Warzone. Uh, Fortune's Keep is back and enjoying that quite a bit. So, there you go, my friends. That wraps it up for the week. Next week, I can't wait to see what Phil Spencer and company say here about the future of Xbox. That business update is going to be a really big deal. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on Moment 5 and what is happening in the world of Windows and beyond. And as always, my friends, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.